We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Uncontested Podcast. Is not a thunder game tonight it's not a a group podcast scheduled uh scheduled group podcast it's not an all-star emergency pod it's not an all-star emergency pod although it should be she gills alexander has uh has officially made an all-star game which is very surprising yeah that's right but it wasn't he's that but it wasn't but it wasn't (laughs) you already heard the voice you probably already know what this is nick and i and he even he even hinted at it on his post game last night Nick and I are back yet again with uh, part two or episode two. Yeah, episode two of our uh, NBA, their t- 2023 NBA draft uh, coverage. So really excited to kind of break this down. There's a lot of fun things to kind of dive into here. As Nick mentioned, I, I'm joined none other than by Nick Crane. Howdy, howdy, howdy. We're <laughs> almost to the trade deadline this time last year. I was already ready for the season to be over. Well, and they're also, I mean, we said we're going going to keep this 30 minutes, and here we are going down rabbit holes. Uh, but, like, last year, I mean, all years prior, honestly, there's so many more rumors heading up into the trade deadline. Like, for example, like, it seems like Shams and every NBA, uh, you know, newsbreaker schedules Tuesday news yep. drop or whatever heading up to now. It's, it's doesn't seem like there's going to be a lot of fireworks, but... Maybe that's a good transition. Um, obviously, oh, got to recognize Shea. He, he he gets announced. So we are recording this, I guess, Thursday night, uh, February 2nd. And Shea was just announced as an NBA All-Star, which is incredibly exciting. The first All-Star for OKC since Chris Paul. And I believe the fifth. Is that, the, is that yep. right? Off the top of my head between um, <laughs> Russ, KD. Harden was not an All-Star yep. during not his time in OKC. OKC. Nope. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Paul and then Paul George. So now yep. Yep. Gilles Alexander falls in their steps. Very exciting stuff. Quick thoughts, Nick. This is the 13th, no, 12th time the Thunder have sent an All-Star. In their history, there's only been three years in which they have not. It was the inaugural year and then the two years between Chris Paul and Shea. Crazy. So great track record. Crazy. I don't know. I've been hearing that this rebuild is so long in Black Eye <laughs> in the NBA. They lost to the Rockets. Anyways, hey, speaking of that, the Thunder have another opportunity to add some real talent in this upcoming NBA draft. And that's why Nick and I are covering this, uh, the uncontested. We're covering this a little earlier than usual. 
Uh, we'll continue to, you know, obviously get deeper into the weeds. I think as we get further along in the draft process and the, and the college season, kind of at the midway point, Nick, like this is, um, we, we have a decent sample size of some of these players in regards to the college season. I know there's some obviously very uh, high caliber national prospects overseas and the NBA G League, et cetera. But in terms of like the draft prospect or the, the draft timeline, it typically goes by the the college season. Yep. yep. And we're like getting fairly close to conference tournaments. Yep. Uh, and then obviously into March Madness, but we aren't quite there yet. One last chance to like prove yourself. I think. Right. I think the... For better or for worse, there's the conference tournament and the big dance. There's always risers from those small sample set of games. That's always the thing every year. There's going to be somebody that right now is sort of a consensus late first, early second guy. That's going to have a great conference championship game, uh, great conference tournament overall, great March Madness. It could be like Trace Jackson Davis. Like He could be a guy that just balls out on the biggest stage. A player gonna, for Indiana. Come on, Nick. Not he's gonna a... rise. You, you want to? You want? You mean Jalen Hutchinson? Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that rise, and there's always the conversation of like, should you put more stock in them playing well on the big stage, or should you put more stock in like the larger sample set of the season? So that'll be a fun part of it. I think it's this is like the easiest part of the draft process where you have pretty clean cut like a non conference schedule, a conference schedule. Once you start playing these real big games of consequence, like do you do you put more weight on that or do you not? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And we also have like kind of identified prospects um, that we're really excited to watch heading into the conference tournaments and heading into uh, March Madness. But that I've kind of declared, <laughs> I hate using that that term. It, it just kind of like stuck in my head now. But have kind of declared themselves uh, here, you know, through conference play. To your point, so I think that's a really good point. Like we have a, a big enough sample size, Nick, that we're I think we kind of evaluate this draft class into strengths and weaknesses. So I'm curious your thoughts. You know me. I'm a very positive guy. When I do my <laughs> post games that Nick has suffered through uh, multiple, multiple times, I like to end on the positive. So Nick, go ahead. Hit me with your first weakness of this, this draft class. It's obviously considered a strong draft class, but <laughs> every class has its weaknesses. What is one of the weaknesses of this this draft class that you've seen so far? I would say center depth obviously the best prospect in this class is a center victor will go number one there's no question about it from there there might not be another center taken until the like maybe the 20s like there's a couple of of solid centers that will go like just outside the lottery early or late first round early second round there's gonna be a lot of centers in that range but as it relates to the lottery outside of victor I haven't seen anything from the the wares, the livelies, um, the bonas, the um, Najis that are like that are going to convince me to take a center in the lottery outside of Victor. And so I think that's a weakness of this draft is you need a center, like a cornerstone center, like a Chet Holmgren. You're not going to get that if you don't get the number one pick. It's exactly so that that's one of the ones I had as well. Like I'm I'm scrolling through and like I'm I'm looking at some of these prospects and uh, there's like where um, from. Oregon, mm-hmm. you have, I mean, Baba Miller isn't even, I mean, nah, he's very tall, but he's not a center. He's not a center. I mean, I'm trying to th- just think of people. I, there's Edie um, from he ain't, he ain't Iowa. In a lottery. He, right. He's going to be a second round at, 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 if he plays well enough. Like, I'm with you. There really aren't very good center 
true big prospects in this this draft class. Now, to be honest, extremely the, versatile forwards who can play yeah. small ball five. Yeah, and we'll get into a lot of these players uh, tonight. We got into them here uh, about a month ago when we did our part one of this this series, and we'll continue to get into those players as we get deeper into the draft class and probably talk about some of those guys when we get into the strengths. But I'm with you. There's no true quote unquote bigs, even like the the vers- the versatile bigs uh, that you would look for in today's NBA. This draft class kind of lacks those. Sorry, what were you about to no, say? I was going to say, like, Filipowski is maybe the one guy that yeah. has been better than expected this season. Yeah. Like, the center class as a whole coming in, I think there was probably three or four lottery centers or potential lottery centers. And all those guys have been fallers this year. Filipowski has been one big that has been better than I expected, at least. Like, I looked at him as a late first rounder. He's risen a bit. But, like, yep. everybody else, man, it's just... And it's weird, like... And that's kind of, I mean, again, I don't mean to transition us to other players or strengths of this class necessarily, but you have like the Jairus Walkers, the Taylor Hendricks, who like technically you could, some may consider, but right, they, they should be listed as forwards and not big. So I'm yeah. with you there. Um, I Like I said, I had that one as well. My my other one though, Nick, was unpredictability. And I know that's a very, very vague, but when I, when I think about unpredictability, unpredictability with this class obviously you have Victor Wimbyama you have Scoot Henderson the names everybody's heard about uh, who's interested in invested in the NBA even college basketball right even those neither of those players are playing college you get the point but between guys being hurt or recovering from injuries in some cases like I think about Nick Smith Jr. very very highly regarded prospect coming obviously playing for Arkansas this season um we have got to see very limited games. I think there was like three or four games. He came in kind of recovering from an injury and then he got hurt again uh, this season. And we haven't gotten to see him since. Think about even uh, guys like Derek Whitehead and Cam Whitmore who battled injuries uh, in their, their high school career towards the end of their high school careers. And then have been recovering from those coming into the, in, into college. Uh, I would say, can't, well, honestly, both of them are probably on similar tra- trajectories recovering from those injuries. We're starting to see more flashes from each of them, but we haven't got to evaluate them fully in comparison to how they looked in high school. So the, like that, as well as like the, the, you have obviously the top, top talent in this draft, but opinions seem to range even like without the injuries, you know, you, you look at certain mock drafts, you, you listen to opinions, you even do your own research and like look into some of these guys. Like, I, I think this is going to be one of those drafts where late lottery down to even into the second round, we'll be doing redrafts here and four or five seasons from now. And like, it'll be completely different after like the top six, seven, eight. Yeah. I mean, the, the unpredictability is, is a real thing. Um, just given there's going to be five guys, um, no, probably, probably four guys in the lottery that are like not college players. Like you got the OTE guys, you got uh, scoot in the G league, you got Victor overseas. Um, there will probably be another international guy. Like we talked about this last pod. Um, Giddy at this point, two years ago was not on radars in the lottery. Um, Usman Jang this time last year was probably not on most people's lottery, uh, boards there will probably be another lottery guy um comes internationally but right now there's four with the thompsons scoot and victor it's hard to evaluate those guys like victor's the clear-cut number one he should go number one but like scoot and this is not me saying i would not draft scoot too i'm just playing devil's advocate here you look at the g league and you've got a guy like Jaden hardy or like a tai tai washington they go out there and they score 40 points, 50 points, 14 to six. Like, they're putting up crazy numbers and they're only a year or two older 
than Scoot. So I'm not discounting how good Scoot's been in the G League. But it's like, how do you evaluate the G League when you see other guys that are not quote-unquote generational talents putting up bonkers numbers as well? No, that's a great point as well. Like 10 years from now, or sorry, (laughs) 10 years prior, uh, you basically were looking at players from, you know, maybe a little less than that, but the one and dones in college. Now you have college, you have the G League, you have um, overtime elite, you have overseas play like the NBL being the primary example. Uh, it, it's a very good point. So that, that all leads to the unpredictability. However, I think there's a lot more strengths with this class. Nick, do you want to give us your first big strength for the 2023 NBA draft class? Yeah, let me do one weakness real quick uh, before we go into yeah. my first strength. I think the Guard play is not a weakness, but I do think that we will need to be very careful with the guards because there's a lot of guys projecting the lottery that are just like bucket getting guards. Nick Smith, Keontae George, you know, on and on and on. Every year we see those kind of guys. Some are good, some are bad. You know, Johnny Davis, don't write him off, has not been good. James Booknight. It's not been great. Like there's all those bucket getters and it, sometimes they don't translate in the NBA. So Cam as, Thomas is the one I keep thinking yeah. about, which has had really good flashes at times yeah. and will probably be a good player, yeah. right situation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you're, yeah, you. I, it's some of these highly talented scoring guards. Um, at least one of them is not going to work out and someone's going to get burnt by that. Like there's almost like history tells us there's almost no way that all these high scoring guards that are going to be fighting for that, the, the top, 10, you know, kind of, kind of range, they're not all going to pan out. So I would say guard play is not a weakness, but it is something to consider. Uh, moving to strengths. I just think like in general, the wing forward position is just so damn strong in this yeah. class. If you, I think that's a great transition from your previous point, because you mentioned the guards and it's like, when I think on the quote, think of the quote unquote guards of this, this class, they're essentially you know, they're the, the size of fours. They aren't true guards, uh, but they will be facilitating and acting as guards, if that makes sense. Uh, I think of like Om and Tom, the, the Thompson twins, Nick Smith yep. Jr., et cetera. They're, they're more wings. And, and sorry to interrupt you there, but I just think that was a, a really good transition uh, to, yeah. to your next strength. No, totally. I mean, if you're a team that needs a three or a four, not that there's really a difference these days in many cases, but. I mean, Oklahoma City Thunder are an example of that. Like, I think J-Dub's awesome. J-Dub can play two, three, or four, really. Um, if you're a team that, like, needs that guy next to a Chet Holmgren, this is probably the draft for you. And it's also probably a draft you don't have to be top five. Um, like, I think Asar Thompson would be a great, like, three in Oklahoma City. I think um, Cam Whitmore would be a great three-slash-four in Oklahoma City. But if you don't get some of those guys you've got plenty of opportunity middle of the first late lottery to get a really, really high upside combo forward. And that's like where this, this class is so, 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 so strong. Like the amount of wings in this class that you would say that guy has first round talent, way more guys than there is first round picks. So it's just a, it's a deep forward class. I had a, a deep class as well, but I also, my first one here, Nick, is just, and you kind of touched on this and we, we mentioned a little bit there when we talked about like, you know, some of the guys you would consider quote unquote guards um, would be more wings, but just the versatility and the fit of the modern NBA from the top down. 
with some of these prospects. You know, the biggest one, the most obvious one is, is Victor, right? But like you get on the list, like Brandon Miller would fit mm-hmm. that. Uh, yep. Jarris Walker is a, is a player that we've talked a, a little bit about. You and I have talked a lot about even more so since our the the first podcast we did and breaking down the 2023 NBA draft. And I'm sure we'll get into him later in this podcast. Uh, I think about Taylor Hendricks out of UCF. We talked about him in that first podcast as well. Extremely versatile. Uh, Gigi Jackson, again, very, very, very raw. That, that, that goes back to that uh, uncertainty. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exa- right. Uncertainty. More uncertainty there. Speaking of uncertainty and versatility, Jet Howard, Max Lewis, Anthony Black, Bryce Sensabaugh. I mean, the list goes like Grady Dick has shown more versatility. Oh, yeah. I mean, the list goes on in a Ryan Repair, somebody I want to get into later in the podcast. Mm. The list goes on and on and on in regards to uh, the versatility of this draft. And I think what we're seeing is like these prospects coming into the NBA are more NBA ready because that's what the NBA is going towards. That's why we're seeing Presti build towards this versatility plug and play, um, you know, a, a roster that he's been building because that's kind of, I sound like broken record. That is what the NBA is going towards. Um, so that's one of the strengths. I think of this class, there's so much versatility, a lot of options. I think that's why we could see, you know, like I said, a, a very strong class from, you know, even outside the, the bottom of the lottery all the way down to the end of the first round. 100% agree. Uh, I want to move into some uh, risers and fallers, and I think this is actually a decent transition because we just talked about the depth of the wings in this class, and we didn't even mention a guy that's one of my risers, which speaks to the depth. Um, he is the twin brother of a Sacramento Kings forward, uh, the left-handed <laughs> version, obviously the same age, so he's in college, so he's going to be a year later into the draft. Chris Murray is having this ascension that's like similar to Keegan's. I think Keegan's Keegan's ascension was much more steep and like the ceiling of his ascension. Like he obviously went to number four and it wasn't like a surprise when he went four. A lot of people had him in that top five. I don't think Chris gets to that point mostly because of age. Um, But it's like, I have a question for you before I dig into why I think he's a riser. There's two schools of thought when it comes to Chris Murray. Um, and they're really quite opposite. Do you see Keegan having a bunch of success in the NBA and really take stock in that to inflate your Chris Murray impression? Or do you think of it on the flip side? And it's like, if Chris Murray didn't have a twin brother in the league, would we really be talking about him this much? It's like a double-edged sword. It is. Where do you apply the value? I, I think Chris Murray would still be talked about as a prospect because he's doing very, <laughs> I mean, very uh, impressive things, especially for a, a competitive team like Iowa. I mean, he he's still showcasing an impact on this team, even though, you know, uh, even though his, his older brother, I guess not older brother, like you said, his brother who was drafted prior <laughs> to him last season, Keegan, is no longer on the team. So I think we'd be talking about him as a prospect. I do not think we would be talking about him as high as a, of a prospect because Keegan was better, and he. Yeah. I, I do think he is a better a better prospect. Like it, it's it's a little unfair to say that that Keegan is maybe like what we hope Chris can become, uh, because like you said, Chris has taken some major steps this season. Uh, but in, in terms of like the the scoring load that he's taken, 
taken on like he, he hasn't been able to do the same as Keegan was able to last year for for Iowa to your point now he's doing some other things like I think he may have a little bit more versatility in terms of his playmaking and um, he may be able to shoot the ball similar but I still think Keegan overall is a better prospect so I don't mean to give you like a gray answer instead of like a yes or a no I think Chris would absolutely still be on radars and is an NBA prospect I'm not sure he'd be under the microscope that yep. he is if yep. Keegan had not been drafted previously. Is totally. that fair? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think if if Chris can be 80% of what we think Keegan can be, right. you take him in the first round. So no it, it season stats, 20.8 points per game. And sorry, that's why I was looking talk, at my Talk 20. about, I don't know if you have it pulled up, his stats this year versus last year. I don't have the comparisons. Okay. That's I, a good I've, point. I've got I'll, it. I'll, I've got it. it. I'll, I'll give it to you here. Okay. okay. I was looking at this for a story the other day, and it was like, Pretty remarkable. So minutes per game went from round numbers 18 to 34. So right around doubled his minutes. A lot of guys, you it's see impressive. that. You see guys get double the the time on the court, but that doesn't mean they double their production unless you're Keegan Murray. Because right. he has. He went from 9.7 points to 20.6. He went from 4.3 rebounds to 8.6. He went from 1.1 assists to 1.8, like still shooting above 35% from three on double the attempts, went from 3.2 attempts to 6.5 and like kept the efficiency. Like you don't see that. Not at all. And you see a guy double his minutes that he might give you like 50% more production. Like he is, he has scaled out the production with every single minute he's been given additionally this year. Great point. And to your, (laughs) to that point, I know it's unfair to continuously compare twins like that. Um, and they all, all obviously always will be, but you know, Keegan had a similar jump his freshman year to his second year. Yeah. And obviously was drafted. That's what that reminds me of. We just listed off right there. Yep. And I think just to, to touch on a couple of reasons outside of what I already mentioned on why he's a riser for me. Um, I think consistency and like what you average is, is super important because that shows like a complete body of work. But I also like to look at the highs and lows and Keegan's had some lows as a score this year, some inefficient games. And you look at his, his, um, his game log and there's, there's games where he scores single digits. Actually one time he scored eight, but he's also got some 10, some 11s in there, but he looked at the highs during a five game stretch right around the holidays. So uh, or actually, no, right right around the end of um, November through the beginning of, of January. I think he had some injuries in there. 31 points, 32 points, and 30 points in a five-game stretch. Three out of five games, he scored 30 in the Big Ten on a good Iowa team. That says a lot. I agree completely. And I think that's, that's a very good point about, uh, you know, Iowa staying uh, in relevance in, in regards to, you know, how competitive they are as a team and, and the increased role he's been able to have. I think that's a really good riser. I have a couple to choose from. I'm trying to decide which one I want to go with here. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and go with somebody I mentioned earlier, Ryan Rupert. Uh, he is a French player. Uh, stop me if you heard this before, Thunder fans. French player playing in the NBL for the New Zealand Breakers. No, it's not, I mean, not Usman Jang, not LaMelo Ball, although I understand LaMelo was obviously a, a U.S. player prior to coming over to the NBL. But Ryan Rupert, 6'7", uh, 192-guard-forward combo uh, with a rumored 7'3 wingspan, which is 
fascinating. Screams Thunder player, only 19 years old, or will be 19 years old. He's not quite yet <laughs> coming up in May. Um, I don't have, I, I'm not sure how updated this is. Eight points per game on about 38.2% from three, uh, averaging about 3.1 attempts per game. But the biggest thing, I mean, he's essentially getting more. It, it reminds me so much of Usman, not in terms of like how they play Nick, but the fact that he is getting more and more confident in play and being able to take on like a main scoring role, facilitating role for his team. And that's not to mention like his foundations of what made him such an interesting prospect, such as the shooting or well, not even really shooting, uh, the scoring and then the defensive uh, ability that he has with that length, the, the way he's able to utilize that. That's what kind of separates him maybe from uh, Usman. I don't know, a super interesting prospect that I'm really curious to continue to follow. Curious what you have thought about Rupert so far in his NBL season. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually a little bit opposite of you. Um, I had him early 20s to start the season, and I probably have him either early 20s or mid to late 20s. I like think he's maybe fallen a bit. A lot of it's not his fault. It's kind of funny. Um, actually, it's not funny. It's ironic. <laughs> ironic. Say. There you go. Um, he had a two-month absence with a wrist injury very similar to Usman Jang. Um, came back from that at wrist injury and was really, really slow when he came back. It's his first few games. Like, yep. shot horrible from the floor. Um, didn't play a whole lot. Like, wasn't really getting back in the rotation. Um, he's looked a little bit better of late, but like, I still haven't seen it from him where I'm ready to say lottery. Like, I still see him as a high upside project that you're swinging on with some risk in the 20s for me, which is not a bad thing. Like, I, like yeah. I before the season started, um, he, he's been neutral to slightly uh, down on my stock on him. Okay, so that's why I had him as a riser because I kind of viewed him uh, heading into the draft as like a, a, a late first round guy. And now I see him like not late lottery, but right outside of that lottery. Um, like, for example, I think of the Usman Jane move that the thinner made right and the the j-dub like i see him as a be- becoming one of those risers i think that a team could could potentially take a flyer on right outside the lottery nick give me uh another one of your risers and i have one more we'll touch on briefly that i think we need to touch on that uh, i think a lot of, of fans and, and a lot of listeners will be familiar with and then we'll get into some of our followers yep that sounds good i have one i told you to do your research on him last time we potted after the pod you probably didn't. UConn. You're man. No. No. Santa Clara. Oh, okay. Brandon Podjemski. He played at Illinois as a freshman. I say played at Illinois. He barely played at Illinois. He was on the team at Illinois. Only played like four minutes a game. Um, transferred to Santa Clara. Obviously a huge void to fill with J-Dub going to the league. And he has been bonkers good. So 22 games this season. All starts playing 36 minutes a game. So that dude's on the floor all the time. A lot. Um, he's their primary <laughs> primary scorer, takes 14 shots a game. He's averaging 19 points while shooting 50% from two, 42% from three roughly, and almost 80% from the line. Um, he's got the size at 6'5 to be like an NBA-sized off-ball guard, although he does have some some lead guard skills as well. Riser is... is relative so like he's a guy preseason i don't think probably anybody had on their board a transfer from illinois that played four minutes like no one's no one's saying this guy's gonna get drafted next year uh so relative to where he was preseason i now view him as like a guy that's getting drafted 
Like, well, I'm not ready. To, I'm not ready to say first round or like early second. I don't know where exactly, but he will get drafted this year. And I, I like the comparison you made about a month back. I, again, not necessarily similar in regards to style of play, but just the Santa Clara connection, the rise in draft stock to J Dub, right? And how he kind of skyrocketed up boards. This is a similar situation. Uh, while he wasn't like a, you know, he obviously was recruited and and committed to it, Illinois, but then he transfers in um, after uh, you know not getting very much playing time. I think there is a comparison to be made in regards to um, kind of his his nose stability. Is that a word? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for there? Is uh, I guess visibility or attractiveness or in regards to NBA. Dra- yeah. yeah, his buzz, his buzz, his is buzz. Much higher. I would be I like shocked if he went twelve like J Dub did. Um, oh but, yeah, so he, he won't rise that far, but, but he might get drafted now yeah. compared to oh, he will get drafted, not get drafting it at all prior to his his transfer there. He will be on a team next year. So I. I still have like a lot of risers we could talk about <laughs> we're already about to the point that we said that we were going to end this podcast in typical fashion uh, so we won't go through all of them like jet howard is somebody that i'm, I'm really intrigued by a uh, very divisive prospect in regards to where some people have them but i'm very high on them um i'm trying to think who else. obviously brandon miller like that's a kind of very very low hanging fruit because he's been so good the entire season and i think we did a really good job of of kind of starting to introduce listeners to him uh, in our, our first NBA draft preview that we did here about a month ago. But the one I'm going to go ahead and go with here, like I said, it's a familiar name because I knew you'd, you'd come in with a deep cut. So I'd, I'd go ahead and do a familiar name. Somebody that, a name maybe people haven't heard of too much recently. I'm going with the Monty Bates. I knew <laughs> and look, coming. I am not saying as a riser that he's like back in the top five, baby, or like even first round. I'm saying Imani Bates went from may not ever play basketball again to like you could see a team taking a chance on him. Maybe in the I've, second I've, ta- round. I've talked to some people that think he could go first round. Wow. See, yeah. sources, sources tell the uncontested. <laughs> well, that it's, it's that been is an good to for sure. Yeah, it, from it's a personal image an and from proving he can actually do stuff on the court. Right. And look like he I would have much rather have seen him stick with Memphis to be completely honest with you and, and see him take on a bigger role against much better competition mm-hmm. and also showcase, you know, strengths and, and improve on strengths outside of the ones that are obvious that he showcased with Eastern Michigan, which is obviously the scoring. Um, I would like to see him be able to facilitate a little more with, with better teammates in Michigan and, and against better competition and maybe be a little more engaged on the defensive end. But Whatever the case may be, obviously there's off-court issues there as well with him playing with Eastern Michigan. The biggest thing here is he scored 43 points on 9 of 14 from 3. I think he was I'm trying to remember. I can't remember his uh, his total stat line off the top of my head. 29 straight points during the first quarter. That was or the first half, excuse me. That was the the bit the biggest highlight of those 43 points. Yep. That was against uh, Toledo. Toledo still won. That's just an, an interesting note, right? Like a, maybe that's talent around money. Maybe that's a a AAU knock style. against eight, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But nevertheless, obviously a ridiculous. I mean, you just don't see that in college. There's not enough time in, in the college game. Um, you know, we we often see NBA prospects go to the NBA and, and start to have these these kinds of games rather than vice versa. So that's certainly worth noting that on top of that, he had 30 points against Michigan earlier in the season, even though they lost and then 36 against South Carolina too. Um, 
I mean, Michigan obviously is a great team. South Carolina, yeah. GG Jackson, there's some yeah. good prospects on that team. All that to say, I think we have to say that our money bank is trending up, especially after what yeah. you just dropped, Nick, uh, talking to people around the uh, around the college space and, and yep. some scouts. He uh, he's definitely rising. We'll blow through some uh, some fallers real quick. Um, I'll be very very quick on this because we got the, yep. the most fun part of the pod coming up. Um, I'm gonna I'll give two uh, similar reasons. Just they got the upside. Just haven't really seen it from him yet. Uh, Nikola Drisic playing overseas. Uh, he's been hurt a little bit. He's been like really in and out of the rotation, which again, he's playing against grown men. Um, his shooting splits have been pretty poor. Like you saw him play against OTE many, many months ago, several months ago. And he looks solid against like those level of players, the younger guys um, going to get some, some better competition, not even better competition, just more experienced competition overseas. He's, he's looked rough at times. And Tyrese Proctor for Duke just, I had him as like one of these sneaky first rounders. People aren't talking Proctor's about him. Super athletic. Yeah, um, he's. I, I thought he was going to be the, the Duke guy that rises, and he was not. He's been the Duke guy that's fallen. Yep. And uh, same thing. I I know I had him as a follower in, in the last podcast we did as well. But uh, Derek Lively, even though he's he's gotten into the starting lineup, uh, which is for Duke, which has been great, but just not doing well. Yes, um, also, is not there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly, and then I, I also think about some of the guys from Kentucky. Um, Wallace obviously continues to to play well when healthy. Uh, he's about some injuries there as well. But Chris Livingston's fallen for sure. Livingston's falling. Um, Oscar, I mean, I, I know he never has necessarily been like a huge uh, NBA prospect. More so, it's just been one of those like college all stars, especially last season. But he has he hasn't even been that. Uh, his this he's had some year. incredible stat lines game to game. Um, uh, he's just one of those guys. I don't know what more he can show you. That's like, oh wow, he's a first round NBA talent. Like we we've, yep. we've seen what he can do. He puts up some ridiculous numbers. He cleans the glass. He can score a bunch. He's just this undersized, weird tweener position center that probably could have a good NBA career, but he's not a guy you draft to like be your starting center. I agree. I agree. So Nick. We could go on forever. Obviously, honorable mentions to guys like Bryce Sensabaugh. It's getting a lot of buzz right now for Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State is not a very good team, but he is just has proven to be an elite scorer at the college level, which is really impressive. Grady Dick is doing some really impressive things for Kansas. Uh, obviously, you, you all probably seen the very funny memes and signs that the Kansas fans are, are throwing out there. Uh, but Kansas is a fun, competitive team per usual. And Grady Dick, as a freshman, has really shown that he's more of just the the three point specialist. Uh, as can, you know, so there's all these these different kind of players that we can break down. Uh, but we'll more and more of that coming throughout the season, and obviously into the off season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So, Nick, to end this one out, thought we could do something pretty fun. I know that Thunder fans aren't doing this quite as much as they were last season. We can do a little tankathon spin. Then do a mock draft. Yeah. And again, I, I know we won't like get into detail uh, on these players, but we can just briefly mention why we're picking these players for each team. So I'm going to go ahead, and uh, I know people aren't actually watching a stream right now. We aren't doing this live, but here we are with Tankathon. Once you, going- once you let them know what, what Oklahoma City's uh, lottery position is right now before you start. Yeah, so we are currently at 8. 8 at 24 and, and 27, tied with the Chicago Bulls. And the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, obviously getting that New Orleans pick. Pretty interesting there, Nick. Uh, but right under them, you have Washington at 24 and 26. Portland at 25 and 26. Uh, New Orleans, 26, 27. And Golden State, 26 and 26. Pretty, yeah, very interesting stuff. It's a, it's like you mentioned in your post game the other night. It is such a tight race right now. I mean, Oops, there's... Dinner. Seven, seven teams above them. So I think it's a good thing about this draft is like there's so much depth. Okay, so I just, just, just spun it. Thunder go down one. They are at pick nine. However, the Chicago Bulls get wow. extremely lucky. You want me to do it again? No, 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 no. Go no, with no. it? Okay. This is, okay. How, this is how it works in real life. Okay, yeah, that's let's, fair. Let's just do top 10 for, for sake of time and we'll blow through these. Okay. We'll, we yes, won't, we'll, and that will we'll cover OKC okay, we'll at nine. Plenty like of that. pods where we do like a full mock draft and give reasons why this yep. player fits here. Yada, yada, yada. Today is just going to be team, player, move on. Can you imagine the Bulls going up eight spots and getting Wimby? I can. Like, that, <laughs> that's go ahead and happens. kick this off. Well, I mean, I know, up. but like, imagine like we're talking about all these teams, like uh, who will Wimby fit best with? And then Chicago shoots up eight and gets I'd Wimby. Love like, I'd ball. love it. I would too, honestly. And how great would that be for the league? Big market, MJ's team. Yep. yep. Wimby. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, we yeah. don't even have to like choose who gets what first. Like it, Wimby would be one to Chicago. Yep. And how it, yeah, I mean, he I'll would go, fit with two. literally any team. I'll go to uh, Houston is going to take Scoot Henderson. I don't oh care if you gosh. already have it's a match made in heaven. Yeah. I don't care if you have a bunch of high upside guards today. Agreed. You still take Scoot Henderson. Yeah. Um, you take better KPJ. Yeah. And you play him alongside green. Yeah. Right. Yep. <laughs> oh man. So this is where it gets very interesting for Detroit because they had, they just took Ivy. Um, obviously they have Duran and obviously they have Cade. Like this is where it could get very interesting uh, because I think a player like Brandon Miller could fit so well there. Um, Keontae George would be interesting, but I don't like it. Cam Whitmore would fit really well there. I'm going to have to go with Amon Amon Thompson. Uh, He's again, like I said, he's maybe fits the same role as like a Ivy 
Wood or like a Kate Cunningham, but he's just another jumbo playmaking wing. Even if he can't shoot from outside, that athleticism is elite. I think Detroit and Troy Weaver. I know Troy. We know Troy from his OKC days. He's behind the Russell Westbrook draft pick. Like he would not be able to to stop himself from from taking on in here. All right, I have got the Toronto Raptors. Oh, is this one? Um, this is a this is a hard one now because they've they've got a bunch of guys that are the exact not the exact. They have a bunch of guys that have a similar build and frame as the guy that's best available here in Brandon Miller. So like if they kept Pascal and kept OG, I still think you take Brandon Miller because those guys are going to be traded likely anyways, if they're unhappy now and there's contracts coming up. So I'm going to go Brandon Miller at number four to the Toronto Raptors. I like that. Number five, got the San Antonio Spurs, uh, presumably without Greg Popovich, assuming that he retires this season as, as there were rumors heading into the season. Uh, but regardless, I think that, you know, obviously with the front office still intact, I think they'll take highest upside here. And I understand there's there's plenty of guys that you could debate have higher upside. But in my opinion, none other than Cam Whitmore. And I think about that team that uh, they, they already have jumbo wings um, and they have, you know, some some they, they have some playmakers. But Cam Whitmore with his scoring ability, his strength, I think he would fit really well there. Uh, with some of those guys. And, and I think about like Cam Whitmore alongside like Keldon Johnson and um, Devin Vassell, like that very fun, uh, super long lineup, kind of similar to what OKC is building. And so Cam Whitmore would be my choice here for San Antonio. Nice. All right. I've got the Charlotte Hornets at number six. Um, That's a tough one. I would have loved to see a star Thompson in San Antonio. I think that if any system is going to make him flourish, it would be that one. It makes me really nervous seeing him go to a team like Charlotte where there's not a lot of direction. I don't know if I, how much I trust that they get the most out of him, but um, we'll see. I mean, they they developed a guy like Miles Bridges that I didn't expect to be as good as he ever was before all the uh, off-court stuff. So maybe, maybe he's the next kind of wing uh, athletic. He's like combo forward, really. Like I, I know that Amin Thompson's more of a guard. I look at him more as a as a true wing, off ball kind of guy. So I'm gonna go with Sar Thompson six in Charlotte. I like that, and, I, and I, like you said, I like that length for Charlotte. Uh, pick number seven, Orlando Magic. I'm gonna go ahead and go with the the Baylor belt. <laughs> Can't talk Baylor Bear himself. Uh, somebody you got to actually see in person here about a week ago, Nick Keontae George. Has continued. I mean, I wanted to put him on my risers. I uh, honestly thought you might, so that's pr- probably why I left him off. Otherwise, I would have put him on there. But Keontae George has been really fantastic. What he's shown, I mean, there's obviously weaknesses in his game. It's not to say he's perfect. Um, but what he's shown recently is that he's more of just <laughs> kind of similar to Grady Dick, like I mentioned earlier, but uh, obviously different players. He can play, make a little more. He's uh, just super competitive on both the offensive and defensive end of the floor. I think he would complement that front court that the the Magic have really, really well and would provide some pretty critical spacing and three-point shooting um, outside of just Wagner. So, Keontae George for the Magic is my pick there at seven. I'm going to go, because I got the Pacers at eight. I think the easy pick would be Jairus Walker, but I'm going to go a little off the, uh, the beaten path here. Um, I would love to see a AB Anthony Black 
backcourt with Tyrese Halliburton. That would be a it'd be kind of like uh, basically be like Giddy Shea. Like you got yeah. Two. I was gonna say I don't even know if I've called that a backcourt. I think you essentially Black would be front court, right? And then you mm. would have Matherin and Halliburton in the backcourt. I think I think I like this Matherin off the bench. Bench, okay, guy. okay, yeah. Um, and I also think Nick Fair. Smith is very similar to Giddy, where he can play the three. Like he, let's be real. Anthony Wait, Black. You said a, Nick Smith. You meant Anthony Black, right? Did I say Nick Smith? Uh, I said just, AB. Just right I there. Said, Oh, no, I'm talking about A.B., Anthony Black. Okay, um, yeah. I, I view him as a point guard. He's got the passing upside. He's, got the, he's literally giddy. Like, he is the closest thing to giddy that we've seen in a while. Um, and I think he'd fit perfectly next to uh, Halliburton. And um, even if you did want to start Matherin, like, you slide A.B. to the three, just like giddy plays alongside Lou and Shea. I like that a, a ton. Um so I am the lucky one with the Thunder at pick number nine, Nick. And obviously, at, we've said Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller already, right? I can't remember. You where took we him. Put him. No, oh, I t- uh, no, I took him at Toronto. That's my bad. Toronto. No, yes, no, you're good. Gone. No, I, I I figured we did. I was like, there's no way we got to nine and not take Brandon Miller. But I got to double check. So I'm a little torn here because there's a prospect, like I said, we haven't gotten to see a lot of, but has a super high ceiling in Nick Smith Jr. But he does not necessarily fit with the Yuck. Thunder building. And there's a there's a, another prospect and um gosh why am, why did I just go blank Michigan Jet Howard uh, oh, yeah Jet Howard thank you <laughs> who I also think I actually Kevin O'Connor mocked him to OKC not very long ago and I know like I said I know there's a lot of uh, divisiveness there I like Howard a lot but I'm gonna go with somebody that you mentioned who I think would be a a great fit and honestly a steal at this point it's Thunder we're picking at nine and so got him. Uh, Jairus Walker of Houston. He's a jumbo, jumbo Ford. I mean, again, we, we, all the Thunder fans want to talk about like replacing Bays. Imagine replacing Bays with a bigger Ford who can, is versatile, can defend multiple positions, could play small ball five, could also play the four in certain spots. I can space the floor is a score when needs to be but it can also hold his own defensively. He's not much of a playmaker yet, but Jairus Walker is just an extremely impressive to me. Nick, you and I have talked a lot about him, just even between the two of us via text. I think the one biggest knock on him is the inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Something I mentioned with his draft as a whole, but you'll, you'll see nights where he'll go, you know, two straight games where he'll go, you know, only, only shoot like five times. And then if you'll that- see him have the game that he did against, uh, who was who was the big game that he just the the team that he's played against that where he dropped like he was leading scorer for Houston had like twenty something points. I'm going um, blank. that was over the weekend they played. Um, oh goodness, I can't I remember, remember either. Blank on it. Regardless, uh, Jarris Walker would be who I pick here. Uh, averaging Cincinnati only game, ten yeah? points. Yeah, Cincinnati. Thank you. Yes, which was a, a super competitive, super close game, and he just pretty much took the game over. And uh, I just continue to be really impressed by him. You also got to see him in person when he mm-hmm. played my alma mater, yes. University of Tulsa, TU, uh, back in Tulsa. You got to go and cover him. And one of the things that stood out to me, because that was early in the season, you mentioned I can't believe how big he is it's and how huge. he's moving with the ball in his hands at that size. And uh, watching him since then, I, I I mean, I'm comparing him to those other players on the court. Obviously, I haven't gotten to see him in person, but that sticks out to me as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's – a function of his inconsistencies is the system he's in. Like I asked, asked Kelvin Sampson after the game, like 
Jairus Walker. He's a guy that doesn't always fill up the stat sheet, but like the impact is very, very visible. And he gave some examples around like Quentin Grimes, some other guys he's coached in the past where like they have the ability to go score 30 any night, but that's not winning basketball. And like what Kelvin tries instilling in players is go out there and do the things on that given night that help the team win, which is why I think a lot of times you look at the box score, Jairus Walker only has two shots, three shots. He was impacting the game other ways that night. And then again, Cincinnati, they needed the, sc- the scoring and they needed the shooting. So um, I, I that tried. That screams uh, Presti, I know, I know. Not Thunder. Obviously, well, the, even, the wingspan, he's, uh, let's see, 6'8", 6'8", 240 with some two wingspan. I mean, even back to his IMG days in high school, playing with a guy like Keontae George, playing with a Jet Howard, like it, he just been in these situations where there's other guys that can put the ball in the hole and he is very willing to go do other things to impact the guy. You'll go watch some of that IMG film his senior year. And there was games where like other guys had many, many, many more points, better looking box scores. But if you watch the game, like Jairus made the biggest impact. Right. Uh, obviously great defender, competitive defender. He's super versatile. As we mentioned, good rebounder, which would be huge for this Thunder team. Uh, I'm going a little longer on him just because this is a Thunder pick, but major pick and roll threat. Just like imagine him in the pick and roll with one of Giddy and Shea and alternating between the two. And then imagine him alongside Chet Holmgren. Like this is the perfect. Nice. I, I hear people and, and I agree with it. I mean, like, um, gosh, why am I? Now I'm going blank. Uh, Collins, John Collins, <laughs> like Vecini came out saying like John Collins is like my low key favorite target for the Thunder eventually, yada, 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 and brings up fantastic points that I honestly agree with. But imagine getting like younger, better John Collins. <laughs> I think uh, Kevin O'Connor put here, Julius Randle with a full tank on defense. Like that's yeah. kind of better Collins. And imagine that alongside Chet. I mean, you're you're ready to rock if you draft walker at at pick nine here yep totally so i got last pick so you get to round it out um lakers is that that's interesting yeah i'll I'll go wait does that go to new orleans or it does yeah yeah okay for the pelicans yeah yeah this would but the lakers would have fallen to 10 here and they convey their pick um i so i like your pick with jairus walker if walker was not on the board i think in a vacuum like you don't draft for fit today but i think like jet howard fits a lot of the things that's done that he team does I, I would love to see him in Oklahoma it's kind of like adding a kind of like adding a Trey Murphy again to that kinda. team which yeah, yeah. you can never have too many Trey Murphys or Howard's I think Jet's a bit more polished offensively like he Ooh. can he can oh he can score dude like, he, I don't know if he oh I know he can I trust me that that was the other player I wanted for the Thunder here and I was torn on I'm not as sold on him defensively as Trey Murphy is why why I had the uh, the ooh. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's it's what you value and what you. Sorry, think. I'm it's taking what, us down all kinds of rabbit no, holes. No, no, no. It's <laughs> okay, I think I think it's all about like what what can you get out of this prospect? I I just don't like. I agree that Murphy's defense is better today. I just don't know if I ever see him being an aggressive scorer. Like he's just going to be more of a spot up very kind of guy. I just think Jets got a higher ceiling on that end. Um. So this is the last pick. It's really hard because there's a lot of guys that are top 10 talents that are not going to go top 10. It's kind of how it works. I, for New Orleans. Such a deep draft. Like doing this this exercise has made me realize just how deep it is. Like mm. Nick Smith Jr. is still on the board, right? And yep. like. Give me Taylor Hendricks. Like that fit a lot. You know, I like Taylor a whole yeah, lot. <laughs> he, no pun intended. 
yeah, spelled differently, but same name. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I think I think with Zion um, in the modern NBA, you don't need to have like you don't need a Valanciunas or like a Stephen Adams like we've seen in the past alongside Zion. You could have a a six nine six ten Taylor Hendricks that can space the floor and plays phenomenal defense. I think that him and Zion just sharing the front court, call whoever you want the four or the five, would be really good on offense. And he spaces really the defense. floor. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, agreed. I act. I lo- that's such a great fit. Honestly, Taylor Hendricks would be a great fit for the Thunder at nine, and like I could see a situation where you know this is the the current lottery and the Thunder quote unquote shock people by taking Hendricks above players like, you know, Walker and Nick Smith Jr. still on the board. Um, I think that's a great pick. Great pick for the Pelicans, almost the Lakers. Yeah. That was really fun, Nick. Really good stuff. Uh, honestly, I haven't really gotten a look ahead. <laughs> and look, do you have any, like, games off, off just off the top of your head uh, that you're looking forward to in, in the coming days or weeks? Um, uh, no worries if you don't. I mean, it, there's always like that Saturday slate where there's games that you're competing yeah. against because there's so many good games. Um, I think Kansas playing Iowa State, like I, I just want to see Grady Dick continue to do big things on the big stage. Um, big Dick energy. Jeez, I like I like actually my favorite. Actually, this is this is one that I I did write about. I do I always do like my college matchup of the week. I did Indiana Purdue to see Jackson Ooh. Davis versus Edie because they're okay. both dominant centers. Jackson Davis is undersized. Edie is way oversized, but they both dominate the game in similar ways. I'm really curious, like who has the edge there? Is it like the, the smaller, more athletic Jackson Davis, or is it the bigger, bulkier Edie? That'll be really yeah. interesting. You ha- I, I like that. That's a good one. You have Auburn, Tennessee that same day, uh, obviously coming up on Saturday. Um, trying to think Miami, Clemson. There aren't really some, pro- like they're both ranked. Uh, here we go. Texas, Kansas State, another really interesting yeah. one. Obviously, yeah. you know, we talked about Dylan See, Mitchell. Dylan Mitchell best. takes a three this year. He still has And then uh, who who's the player on Kansas State that I'm going blank on? Oh, uh, uh, Trey, Man, Trey Mann's old teammate, Keontae Johnson. Yeah, Keontae Johnson. There we go. Transfer from Florida. Uh, Alabama, LSU. I mean, LSU is not ranked, but obviously still going to be very fun. Uh, continue to watch Brandon Miller. Yeah, I mean, there's, like you said, Basically, tune in on the weekends. There's going to be some good games. Reese some, Beekman some at Virginia matchups. is really, really good. I think he'll be an under undervalued second round pick. Who? Reese Beekman, Reese Virginia Beekman. guard. Very, very good. That will be my my homework for the, you go. the next upcoming draft. There you Maybe go. Some deep dives. Well, thank you all again for tuning in. Nick and I continue to say, oh, we'll make these like 30 minutes. And here we are uh, 50 minutes later. So we're having a ton of fun with this. Like we said, it's only February. Um, so we're diving into this early. We're only going to get more and more detailed as we go further along the season. So stay tuned. Nick and I will be, and maybe even Jacob. I know he's been tuning in a little more to some college games. Uh, all of our guys will be tuning in. Uh, and we'll be putting these together here uh, maybe once a month leading up until, you know, closer to March Madness. Maybe do them a little more frequently, more frequent updates. And then uh, obviously the offseason we'll be doing some some deep dives into some draft breakdowns specific for the Thunder. So I think if there's one big takeaway I've I've taken from these two that we've done, Nick, this is a very deep draft class and the thunder, regardless of where they're at, like, I think it's a very, obviously everybody wants scoot. Everybody wants Wimby, but regardless of where the thunder end up, um, they're going to be in pretty good shape. And so maybe this is a good year to, to be competitive and maybe make a play in or whatever the case may be. Totally. I mean, take, take, uh, 
last year as an example, say the Thunder didn't have the number two pick, all they have was 12, you'd be fine with the J-Jub draft. Totally fine with it. Anyways, we'll be back with you guys soon. Uh, like Taylor said, once a month. I'm going to be more optimistic. I'm going to say every couple weeks we should do something like this. And again, as always, if, if you guys have prospects you want us to talk about, um, whether it's Thunder specific or just more holistically, we're happy to do that. We'll be back with you guys on Saturday for a post game following round two against the Rockets. Talk to you guys then. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.